Now, I don't know about you, but I think transitions stink. We've all found ourselves in, the, in some kind of transition before. Some have been short, while others might have been a little longer. Some could have been shorter, but seemed longer. And some may have been longer, but seemed shorter. Some have, may have been involved with a job, maybe a move, maybe both. Other transitions may have dealt with a sickness as you were waiting to be healed. Or a transition may have been to wait on God to do something, to change your situation. We as children of, of God are in a lifetime of transition, aren't we? How does the song go? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. As many of you know that I, and by extension my family, have been stuck in transition since December of 2014. Yes, I know it seems like a long time, and at times it has seemed like an eternity. You know, when I reached day 1,000 in my transition, I joked with the Lord. I remembered the verse, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And so I asked the Lord, look, it's been a thousand days. So does that mean it's been a million years to you? Isn't, isn't it enough already? There have been opportunities since then, but we have felt that God was saying that it wasn't time yet. Your time will come. But now is the time to be patient. And the transition continues. You can imagine some of the questions that I've asked. They are probably questions that you have asked during some of your transitions. When is it going to happen? When is my situation going to change? Well, this morning we look at a couple men in the Bible that faced transitions. Transitions that lasted much longer than mine, well, at least so far, and probably outlasted many of yours as well. We first find out about Abraham's transition in Genesis chapter 12, which had a two-part transition. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now, if you would think about that time back then, you know, they had a slew of moving trucks, didn't they? Not really. They didn't have large caravans to, to move your stuff with. Their primary mode of transportation involved walking and riding a horse. So you can imagine what an adventure it was for them to move their things from where they were to where God wanted them to go. 
The second part of Abraham's transition is found in verse 2. It says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haram. Could you imagine Abraham at 75 moving out from where he was with the mode of transportation he had? And in Genesis chapter 15, there's a recommitment of, the, of this promise. It said, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You know, when God first promised Abraham would be the father of many nations, Abraham was 75 years old. Now 10 years had passed when God recommitted this promise to Abraham. And Abraham believed what God said, that he would be a father of many nations. But it was at this time, Sarah was getting a little anxious She knew how important it was to have an heir, a child. And so far in her 84 years of life, she had not bore a child. And at this point, probably wouldn't, at least in her mind. Would you blame her? Could you imagine having a child at 84 years old? So she came up with a plan. She needed to help God out. Sarah told Abram that, she should, that he should marry Hagar, one of his servants. It could be through Hagar's son that Abram would have an heir. Well, we might call this a, not a well-thought-out plan. That went horribly wrong. Sarah became jealous of Hagar and her son and basically told them to get lost. Sarah's helpfulness resulted in a broken family. Have you tried to do something like that of Sarah? Have you tried to help God in something that he had promised to you? 
Have you tried to help God find a solution to your problem or your transition? I think the bigger question is, does he really need it? Now, when Abraham was 99, God again confirms his promise to Abram and said that his heir would not be through Hagar, but through Sarah. In Genesis 17, we read that God said to Abram, As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come to her. It was a year later when Isaac was born. Abraham was at the ripe age of 100. And Sarah was 99 years old. Could you imagine having a child at that age? Sarah laughed when God told her that it was going to happen. It was 25 years after God first promised Abraham that he, God, would make Abraham into a great nation and that his name would be great. Could you imagine waiting that long for an end of a transition? Could you wait for something to happen that long in life? But we also see a continuation of that promise today, don't we? For if we believe in Jesus and what he had accomplished for us by dying on a cross, we are a part of Abram's seed. We are descendants of Abraham. You are an heir of that same promise. Twenty-five years, Abraham waited for his transition to end. The second man in transition is David. What we might remember about David was that he was chosen to be king. That he made a terrible mistake. And was still known to be a man after God's own heart. But what a journey it was for David to be king. It was in 1 Samuel we read about the anointing of David by Samuel. The Lord told Samuel to go down to the house of Jesse, and this is what happened. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Well, just as a side note, Samuel started with the oldest and worked his way down to the youngest because the firstborn was known to be the leader of the brothers and would receive a double of the inheritance. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't consider his appearance or his height or where he is in line of all the brothers, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks 
at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and he passed in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass by before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord had not chosen these. You can imagine how frustrated the brothers were. And how frustrated Jesse was. And Samuel, the one who was supposed to anoint the next king. So then Samuel asked Jesse, are, the, are these all the sons that you have? Jesse had answered, this, there is still the youngest. <laughs> that guy all the way out there, you don't want that guy. He is tending the sheep. Well, Samuel said, send for them. We will not sit down until he arrives. So then he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord said then, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Josephus a first century theologian said that David was 10 years old when that happened. There had been other theologians that said that he was 15. Now, did he become king soon after he was anointed by Samuel? No, not, not at all. He first had a battle with Goliath, the Philistine, he also served in Saul's court. And then he was chased by Saul because Saul felt threatened by David. Saul wanted to kill him and secure his throne. So when did David become king of Israel? He was 37 years old. Now I, I know that you're thinking about doing some quick math. He might have waited either 22 or 27 years to become king of Israel. What a long time to be in transition. But even in the midst of transition, waiting in anticipation or worry and anxiety of what is to come, we can know a few things. We first can know that God knows. God knows and continues to know what is going on. There's a story in the Bible that talks about the disciples being in a boat with Jesus while he was sleeping. When the storm came, the disciples were scared. They were afraid of drowning. And so they went to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Jesus! Can't you see what's going on? The, the boat's being flooded. The waves are crashing in. What are you going to do? 
Don't you even care what's going on? He did care. Jesus knew what was going on. He knew that the boat was being tossed back and forth. And in the second text this morning, we read about a child who was dead. And so Jesus was called to the house, and he was asking people why they were upset. Well, can't you see that the girl died? And what was Jesus' response? (laughs) She's not dead. She's only sleeping. And the response of the people that were there? They laughed at him. But Jesus knew what was going on at that house. Just as he knows what, where we are and what we're going through. He knows if we are sick. And he knows something about healing. There isn't anything about anything that God doesn't know. And he also knows us. He knows how we feel and the way that we think. And not only does he know, but he is also with us. He is there comforting us, leading us, showing us how we can continue in our transition, however long it might be. We also can know that God continues to keep his promise. God is faithful to you, and he is faithful in keeping his promises to you. God continued to remind Abraham of the promise that he gave to, them, gave to him. You will have an heir. It might, have been ha- it might have taken 25 years, but God kept his promise to Abraham. And he keeps his promises to us as well to the ends of the earth and into eternity. Lastly, we can know that God continues to work in his way and in his timing. And yes, I say this with great hope and frustration. In my flesh, I want God to work, and I want God to work now. It has been a million years plus now. The time is now. Don't you feel the same way? Aren't you hearing me when I say that? For those in transition now, Don't you want your problem, your situation, your transition to end now? The disciples did when they woke Jesus up. The storm was coming, the the, the boat was, was flooding. They went to Jesus. And what, what, what did, how did Jesus respond? You guys have any faith? Come on now. 
about it. And in just a few words, quiet, be still. The storm went away. The waves died down. The boat wasn't flooded anymore. It was calm. And in our second text this morning, after we heard that the the crowd was laughing, Jesus went upstairs. He went to the girl and told her to get up. Let's go. And what happened? The girl got up and they walked out of the house. God does work. And praise God that he works in his time and according to his purposes, according to his will. God sees a much bigger picture than what we see. There may be things that we are avoiding because of where we are. But we can know that God is working behind the scenes what is best for the kingdom. God works and continues to work in us and through us throughout any transition and brings us through in his way and in his timing. When the disciples were in the boat, Jesus told the storm to be still. Peace came upon them. And yes, you might not have a transition like Abraham or David. That's my prayer that you don't. God still knows what's going on. He's there with you. He continues to keep his promise to you. He's just not going to say one thing and then forget about it. But he also keeps his promises, continues to work in his, in his will and in his timing. Yes, I will confess, I don't like transitions. I do think they stink. Sometimes it seems as though our lives are on pause and we're waiting for it to continue. But things are happening. God is moving. And we can trust him who knows, who keeps his promises, and who keeps on working in his way and in his time. To the glory of God who sent him into this world to save the world and to bring hope to a dying world. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And Father, sometimes we don't like our situation. We don't like what's going on. But Father, we know that you are working, that you continue to do something 
And Father, we just praise you and thank you that we don't have to depend on our thoughts about what is happening. Or we don't have to depend on ourselves to get ourselves out of those situations. But we have a God who loves us. And we have a God who knows and cares. And who is there working with us. And that you continue to um, continue in keeping your promise. And that you do it according to your will and according to your promises. And Father, as we may find ourselves unbelieving, Father, we pray that you would help us in believing. And Father, we just praise you and thank you for the time in which we're able to gather to praise you and thank you for what you're doing, even in the midst of transition. So, Father, we praise you and thank you for who you are and what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.